is the through line that consumers need to understand how to patronize mm -hmm. entre small entrepreneurs, small businesses, or is it that um, entrepreneurs need to rise to a certain occasion before right. they release their product? I'd say it's the entrepreneur. Mm. It's really going to be on the business owner largely. I'm and you, we're both, we're consumers the majority of our lives, mm. right? So that, I look through that lens, me as a consumer, you brought your product to me, you brought your service to me. Mm. So it's not my responsibility to arise to meet you or accommodate you and so that's what I saw the business owners were having their defenses up like well I do this and then you guys got to understand I said no they don't they don't have to understand that right. you have to actually level up so I know that you'll agree enjoying myself while at work is the vibe that I'm trying to be on so I want to invite you guys to sidebar ATL here in Atlanta Georgia sidebar on top of the good food and live music they have three different experiences that means you can join me in the garden room in the gold room if you want to try the top of the line hookah and they also have the dungeon where I hear what happens in the dungeon stays in the dungeon so it's the perfect mix if you're here on business or you want to blow off some steam after work you can meet me at sidebar ATL so that you can have a little bit of dinner and then turn up afterwards if that's your jam so check us out 79 Poplar Street here in downtown Atlanta or you can call 678-800-0741 let's get it work and play at the same time right <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and today we have a really, really special guest. I met your mind before I met you. Isn't Facts. that crazy? Like, I literally, I've consumed your content, I've like shared your stuff, I've had conversations about you, right. and when I met you, I was like, wait a minute. I'm her. <laughs> right? I love you. And so, for those of you guys who do not know this fabulous woman who is standing next to me, you are, gone, you are in for a treat. Um, a Quincia Sello mm -hmm. Wayne. Sello yep. Wayne. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. And mm -hmm. um, a conundrum, you probably know, you probably know her on Instagram for your thought-provoking, okay. economic-shifting, culture-driving content mm. that's got us all thinking about where is the black dollar going? Where's the black wow. community going? How can we get into entrepreneurship? How can we lower the barriers? I think those are all the conversations that I've had about your content wow. before I met you. And so I'm excited to get into this conversation because we got lots to talk about okay. in just a short period of time. So without further ado, would you please introduce yourself to the folks? Yes, yes. So my name is Alquincia Stella Wayne, as she said. Most of you guys know me as Econundrum. I am a serial entrepreneur. Most notably now, um, I am the founder and CEO of the Black Virtual Mall and the Black Virtual Convention Center, as well as First Generation Apps, um, which is my DIY app development company. Yes, yeah. and not to mention, Sister girl left corporate America and never looked back. Yeah. That is the dream that a lot of us have, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not a success or a failure, but I think that most people will want to leave securely and find something that fits for them. Right. Um, you have the Black Virtual Mall. Okay. And uh, so we can start with kind of what you're doing right now, and then we can get into your journey because um, people need to know, like, the empire is the empire, but there's so much story on the back end. Okay. Right? So what made mm -hmm. you think of, like, creating the Black Virtual Mall? Well, it was a progression. So really, I'm a solutionist. So most of the things that I create come out of me creating a solution for myself, a problem that I'm already addressing for myself, and then trying to expand that solution. So I really tap into my audience to kind of understand what the issues are. Mm -hmm. So as I was growing and developing, I started the app development company and then a DIY company and then a space. Everything is always featured some sort of a marketplace. So at one point I had a community called Melanin Minds Me. And I always feature black businesses on that community. Mm -hmm. And then when I did my Aconundrum app, I have a business to business community. So it's always trying to link the consumer with the business owner. And so um, during COVID, what really struck a chord to me was I was getting into the virtual space. I did the Black Biz X Mm -hmm. And so I was getting familiar with that virtual reality and that graphic user interface, which I thought was so new. And then knowing that 41% of black owned businesses had died. And because I had created this business community and I was tapped in with them, it was really heartbreaking for me because for that two years, I spent so much time talking to people who, who were making that leap from corporate to entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And then as the pandemic hit, I'm getting those DMs or like, oh my God, 
I'm not getting sales. I don't know what to do. And then the hardest part was, you know, we're charismatic people. We then we're out there. We get that's how we, we drive our traffic, right? Then they tried to pivot into that digital world online or social media, not knowing how to run ads, not knowing how to be visible, not having that presence because they had focused on their physical presence. Mm. So I saw that that lack, that digital divide, and I was like, we need this presence. And so I just kind of connected the dots and said, let me create this marketplace that gives them, takes the burden away from them on that part mm. and lets them do what they do and try to give them as much as that personal feel that they were used to in person. So it was really a response to trying to help during the pandemic. Absolutely. And you, did you already have your platform? Was your platform this big before um, you before the pandemic started? And yes. Okay. Because I know, like, as I look at your your um, your the essence of what you teach, it's like this is I have a platform. Right. So I want to share the wealth and I want to lift you up as I do that. So I'm just I was just curious if your growth. You had been. As a matter right. of fact, I remember you've been on this. You've been doing this for ten years. Yeah, you've been I've been on, on for a while. For yeah. Yeah. So the fact that you're willing to give back. Um, is astonishing. There was there was something, and I want to just go straight into it because uh, when we met, we went straight into it, mm -hmm. the conversation, and I think we should just kind of keep rolling with it. But there is something that you said recently that I've had conversations with in okay. the black, like with my friends, um, about support. Mm. Yes. Yeah. You when you talked about like the fact that we um, often say support my business. Um, it, it diminishes the value in, in my perspective of like what you offer because like you said if you have a solution in the marketplace then you are the person to, to fulfill the problem to, to solve the problem right. if you have a piece of clothing right like I have this you know do it ugly it's like I, I gotta have it right, right right it's not I'm not supporting you just because mm -hmm. like you need help I actually need your stuff so when I think about where to get clothes I'm thinking about it so that was my perspective right. when I heard when I heard your thought process I always realize I realize you are kind of ahead of the game mm -hmm. when it comes to like forecasting economic changes. Okay. So what it, what was your perspective on, or when did you realize that word support was damaging? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was something that I remember largely. You know, it just became that token phrase, support black businesses, right? And then personally, it was really I teach consumer psychology, so. I had a conversation about the black consumer mm -hmm. and the black business owner and the toxic relationship between us, right? Mm -hmm. And how some of that um, really resonates from internalized racism. It echoes the same conversation points. Mm -hmm. Like, um, we'll hear somebody say, oh, that's why I don't deal with black women, da, da, da. And that's that default, right? And then it's like, oh, see, that's why I don't deal with black businesses, da, 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 right? right? There's this default, it's the same kind of response. And so I saw, I juxtaposed and I saw the similarities in that. And so I know where that comes from, mm. that space. And so when I looked at it, the business owners that I'm tapping into, they were like, you know, people question my prices. You don't question this person's prices, but they always question my prices, right? Or the consumer had their complaints. And I had created that conversation one day and I let the consumers talk. And then I looked at the responses and I put up the business responses. And it just was like a three or four like post dialogue mm. on that. And I was like, I get it now. I get the, okay, the business owner feels this way and the consumer's like, well, I'm going out of my way to support, I'm going, and I was like, wow, so that entitlement, and then that was not allowing them to correctly manage their expectations of the business, because it was like, I'm going, I kept hearing, I'm going out of my way, and I'm going out of my way, and I said, oh, wow, because this is how you see us, right, you, you see, see us like, as a charity. Hmm. And then I said, that's where it's coming. It's that sentiment. And we don't understand how powerful that language is. Right. And so I said, you know, we need to really stop using that language. Mm -hmm. And then you notice every time you have an issue, it's like, I tried to support, but, but we never put that challenge on other businesses. Right. And so that's when I realized. You, I, I think that's spot on. So I kind of want to go a little bit deeper. You can educate me on this. You said you teach consumer psychology, right? Right. One of the things, and, and I love that you, I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you. A lot of things that I, I feel, know, understand are either intuitive, I read it in a book and mm -hmm. I had some thought, but no thought is original. Right. The fact that you're so far ahead of me, I'm super excited to ask you questions because yes. I'm like, oh yeah, I've had these intuitions, but like, what do you think? Um, I said one time that we can educate mm -hmm. consumers on how to patronize either black businesses, new entrepreneurs, and I could be right or wrong, but I'm curious what you think about like 
it's not a black it's not that it's a black business but it's the fact that it's a business and the um, CEO is doing all of the things or right. that they don't have the CRM system that you're expecting from Staples so yes you're buying these things or this big brand right you're buying these things but you're expecting this level of service mm -hmm. and I'm so it's a kind of a give and take as you heard this conversation between consumer and uh, entrepreneur is the through line that consumers need to understand how to patronize mm -hmm. entre small entrepreneurs small businesses or is it that um, entrepreneurs need to rise to a certain occasion before right. they release their product we I, I'd say it's the entrepreneur mm. it's really going to be on the business owner largely so I look at both situations because I'm and you we're both we're consumers the majority of our lives mm. right so that I look through that lens me as a consumer you brought your product to me you brought your service to me mm. so it's not my responsibility to arise to meet you or accommodate you and so that's what I saw the business owners were having their defenses up like well I do this and then you guys got to understand I said no they don't they don't have to understand that right. you have to actually level up right mm -hmm. what you're doing now in terms of trying to sympathize with small businesses and I tell them it's not a black owned business issue it's a small business issue right. across the board mm -hmm. right so what are our expectations how can we be fair on that so there is a give and take so yes you may not get the um, super fast or the low price but what do you get when you you support that artisan I'm sorry you, you patronize that artisan type of business mm -hmm. is something different too right so there's a give and take that big businesses are going to give you so it's really on that part but we do as as entrepreneurs we can't keep leaning on our deficiencies mm -hmm. and hoping that they accommodate us right are you still trying to get a leg up on your entrepreneurial career? Now, I told you about the Morning Meetup, the community that was created for the betterment of entrepreneurship. And we are cooking up some really cool things. Now, here's the thing. If you join today, you can actually get in for 60% of the original price. So if you join today, all you have to do is download the app. And I provided the link below so that you can join us. We have community. We have a book club. And it's the largest group that meets every single day, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. to literally get ahead start on entrepreneurship so if you're still trying to grow you don't know what your business is going to be but you know you want to be an entrepreneur this is the community for you so check out the morning meetup click the link below download the app and join us today so I can give you um, understanding on why yes your prices are higher why because you cannot buy in bulk you don't have the capital so you have to pass that on to the consumer I get that you get that but we have to solve for that now we can't just keep leaning on that as an excuse mm -hmm. and so that's another thing where I'm saying we can't handicap our businesses and this is when I get tough talking people don't like it and so I told him I said listen we're not doing ourselves any any favor by handicapping our businesses we need sustainable businesses we need businesses that are going to last that are going to employ so we have to step up to the plate if not we can't deal off of sympathy dollars where are all those black squares at now Mm. Remember all those black squares? Remember everybody was right. Where, where was it at? That's a that's a fact. And I told him that's not sustainable. Mm. So when you lean into that guilt trip dollar, that sympathy dollar, that oh you guys don't support, da, 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 that's not sustainable. Right. But if you offer a good service, people will patronize your business. Mm. So you just have to you you have to level up. And there's too many resources out there for us to not find ways to level up. So if you cannot reduce your price then you must improve your quality of service there's it's just no way around it I love it that's that's a very clear-cut way and um, looking at your content you're very much um, um, for the black the black person but right. you're um, I don't want to it's basically like sometimes when you don't understand business and you want to be like rah-rah about black people then it's like you don't you don't have that balance of perspective right you have that balance of perspective and so um, and holding us accountable exactly bringing up the black squares mm -hmm. the day of the black squares so many entrepreneurs are like should i post a black square or should i just post right. myself <laughs> right like, i was I already right. had something ready to go on social media for the business and i think a lot of people had a conflict yeah. do you um have you thought about that conflict that i didn't post people? a black square but yeah go ahead <laughs> uh, see, let's talk about it yeah why didn't you post a black square no it wasn't necessary and i knew it was a wave mm. I, I literally can see it and say okay this is cute for a while that guilt that trend mm -hmm. and so you see corporations also exploit that so you see that now mind you get your money um, if it's, it's temporary or whatever get your money but I'm not going to stand on that as the issue I've told people don't support me simply because I'm black mm -hmm. support me because I'm great one of the things that we hear entrepreneurs say all the time 
My family doesn't support me. My, my friends don't support me. I promise you, if you have an amazing products, you will get fake friends and cousins and people lying and saying they know you, they know your mama, they know. So it's like, if you, if you just focus on doing that, we know that your family and friends, probably not even your consumer, mm -hmm. they have a hang up on you emotionally, like they know you or she on her fifth thing or whatever, whatever. Right. Be successful, be great in what you do they will come around. They're gonna be the last adapters and I don't, I don't blame them. Like I'm not resentful just because someone didn't jump on the bandwagon early. I'm gonna make you jump on. So I tell them my goal is to really get fake cousins. Mm. My, my goal, I want people lying saying, I wanna be so successful that you actually are lying saying you're my cousin. That's my goal. Yeah, yeah. you wanna be attached to that greatness. And, I, and not just because I'm black. I was like, make, I want to step up. I want to offer you something amazing Yes. Yes. That's literally been where, where I'm at with it. Um, I want to ask you one more question about um, virtu uh, the virtual black mall. Um, but I also want to pivot to social media because you just reminded me of like just this mm -hmm. place that we're in right now. <laughs> uh, so hopefully I'll get back to it. But when it comes to the black virtual mall, all of these um, mental, uh, psycholo psychological things are going on when it comes to patronizing the black dollar, right. um, finding um, a decentralized location to sell your product, right. um, even being able to attract clients, right? Um, the way that we try to use the same strategies that we would for a higher um, influencer mm -hmm. that may or may not work because we don't have that same platform. Yes. So when it comes to um, the black virtual mom, how are you going to, or how are you thinking of setting up a platform that's sustainable, like you said? Right. Understanding all of these different psychological things. Are you thinking about some type of regulation? Um, or what, were, what was your thought process in like building it and then making, the, making it sustainable right. long, in long term? So it was to learn, right? Learn from the mistakes of others. Learn from the successes of others. So one of the things was, it's not simply because you're black. We vet the businesses thoroughly. We look through and see, even going through your social media and seeing how you interact and you engage with your customers. Mm -hmm. So that part, we vet those who apply. One of the things that we do for quality control is we limit how many people, so that's for the business owner. I want them to have high visibility and um, as consumers we assume people want options. Our brain doesn't like too many options to be honest with you. It gets very tired and overwhelmed. So I limited the number of people, but then I also had to be cognizant to limit the type. We tend to get into businesses that are easy and someone else has done it, so we kind of just jump on it. So we have a lot of repetitive business and we're in the industries and we really saturate industries so if we have a business that's heavily you know saturated so you have 20 of this business type we won't add other businesses okay. because we don't want people to come to us and say well this is all black businesses have to offer is right. uh, shea butter is uh, sea moss is this these these go-to things is t-shirts mm -hmm. so we really look for companies that have something like pet care and industries that you're just not familiar with. That's the ones I get excited about. I wanted people to have diversity in that thing. So at the end of the day, there are people who do want to intentionally shop black. I wanted to create a space using the mall's dynamics of convenience, right? Mm. So what I re realized is that a lot of businesses that were smaller, they benefited from that convenience sector of the mall, okay. right, throughout the history of the mall. So I said, if I bring them all together, and then I bring an attraction component to it, then they can benefit off of that traffic, right? Mm -hmm. And those who intentionally want to come, they can find what they need and maybe explore and find some new things that they didn't even think existed in our community. But I'm trying to make sure that there's that quality control. And so it's not a sympathy thing, it's not a sympathy play. You're in there because you're black, but you're in there because you're, you're great. Mm, I love it, I love it. I, literally, it's got that, it's got a balance of greatness in entrepreneurship, not just like, um, not just because we're black, but because we are good business right, owners. Right. I see that you are, um, you educate, but you don't necessarily, uh, at least, do you, are you a coach? Do you coach? I do strategy calls. Mm. Is Are they paid or, or? I've done them for free for years. I do them sometimes for free and DMs and I do charge years. sometimes now. Okay. It got to that point because I was just doing it so much so. But I do strategy calls, yeah. 
now that we're there, I was gonna, you give a lot of free game, not just like on how to build your business or how to set up your mindset as a business owner, but like economically, like how did you decide or did you ever intentionally decide I want to give free game or did you get into this because you really just enjoy researching and sharing knowledge? Right, so one, that's the core component of who I am. I pivoted my approach on social media because I'm a high school dropout and I had my son at 16 and I was on MySpace, right? So mm -hmm. I went to community college at the age of 29. MySpace was popular then. It was really friends and family. So most people who know me, they were there, family. They know my story. They know my parents were on drugs. They know I had a tumultuous life. So when I was succeeding exceptionally well in community college, I was posting the accolades. I made the dean's list. I made the president's list. I won a scholarship. I got into Berkeley, da, 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 da. And I'm thinking, if you know me, this is inspiring you. And I talked to somebody and said, no, it was actually intimidating. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know how the hell you went from that to that. Mm. I said, oh my God, that was never my, I get it now. I didn't give you the process. I gave you the end results. So when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I decided I'm going to give the process. Mm. I was very new in it. And I was like, okay, hey, you guys, I'm going to Wells Fargo. I got my business account. You're going to need your EIN. You're going to need this. Right? I'm going, I went on live plan. So I was just giving the jewels. And then I started taking classes at UCLA for marketing. One of the things that I knew is my superpower is being that translator, taking that complex concept and breaking it down to everyday language. Mm. So it was like, hey y'all, today I learned there used to be four P's of marketing, it's five P's of marketing, right? So I'm taking this, I'm paying for this, this info nice. and I'm bringing it to us. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was a natural fit. But what I did is I never complain about anything that I see lacking. So I would never go to your page and say, you don't do this, you need to talk about this. I be the change that I needed not just that I need to see, but that I need it. So I literally just created the page that I needed for myself. That was really what it was. Mm. That's such an organic, you weren't even thinking, at this time were you thinking about being an No, I mean, I was. I was starting the journey, so it was 2014. Okay. So I've been pushing business content since 2014, 2015. Okay. Like strategies and everything. And then we kind of all got a little bit, um, things meandered towards like the Black Lives Matter movement. So people got to see more of that side of me. Um, and so then when I did try to go back, that was a struggle. I saw that we were just enamored with this, not you just, this, this, everything was just death at one point. Everything was death. And as my page grew, people felt like, I felt like I had a responsibility to report on these things. And then that's all they were feeding me. And then I saw this loop that I had become a part like of. Like a chamber, so to speak. Right. And I was like, wow, okay, it's draining me and I know what's going on. So I know what it's doing to other people. So when I started to try to pull out of that loop, like, okay, you guys, let's talk about this today. It was like, somebody else got shot today. Somebody else got shot today. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, I see this is having a negative impact. Because we're not, how much of our lives are we supposed to spend on death? And what does that do to us? Right. It's taking away our ability to have goals or even think about the future. Absolutely. So I had pulled out and I actually left social media for a minute. Really? For like two years almost. That's a minute? Yeah. I just pulled the plug and I went and focused on business because I felt the duty to report and talk about those things, but I didn't want to be utilized as a cog in what I saw was a That's draining system. Absolutely. Right. Wow. So I said, if I don't have anything to add a value, I know you guys need to talk about this right now. I don't anymore. We've talked about it. What are we going to do about it? Right. And so as I understood that some people had gotten empowered by complaining. Mm. And so then I didn't want to keep having that friction with us. So I backed away and Thank I said, okay, you guys will be okay. I know in a minute you're going to come back around. And once you leave here, you're going to look up and be like, the world has moved on and we've just been here. And then that's what happened. Everybody started scrambling because it was like, oh God, business, we need to hurry up. We need. And you saw that, you saw that rush into from like the Black Lives Matter to like that entrepreneurial yes. push. Yes. And then I saw exploitation. I saw all of the people who were overcharging. I don't go complain. I just beat the change I want to see. So I felt, I felt like you're overcharging for services or things and I just go charge what I think is fair. I don't complain, I don't expose, I don't do anything. You really do. Mm -hmm. Just go do what I think is fair. Yes, like you have so many different, even before you created the platform, you were offering like affordable courses, affordable, affordable mm -hmm. information, even along with the free game you were sharing. And so it makes a lot of sense, you just did it. I just that, go. Honestly, your page is like one of the only pages that, that for me gives me 
it gives me intellect, gives me uh, entrepreneur, like intellect and entrepreneur at the same time. Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we feel like, especially when we're coming out of corporate America and into entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. one of the things that I was told is like, uh, structure and the information that you have can be like the best thing about a corporate employee into entrepreneurship yes and also the worst thing because right. you overthink things and you have all this information um, but for the one who still enjoys learning mm -hmm. for the one who still enjoys the process mm -hmm. um, you're you you allow them to, to learn in this space and you you allow like both um, both sides to be like a stimulated, so yeah. to speak. Do you consider yourself an intellect? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yes, definitely. When would you say that started? Because and I, we can go into your story because um, it's a good segue, segue mm -hmm. with you saying that you were a high school dropout. Mm -hmm. When did you begin to identify as an intellect? Well, I was already <clears throat> gifted and talented as, a, as second grade. Really? Right. So that I was never intellectually inferior. Mm. It's just the household that I came from mm -hmm. was not as conducive mm -hmm. with a child like that, right? A child prodigy like that. Mm -hmm. So dropping out of high school was actually not um, for the typical reasons that most people have. I was moving a lot and I had been to three different high schools by the 10th grade. I was just kind of burnt out. I was burnt out on the changes and the settings. And so when I had my son, which was a year after my father was murdered, actually it was like a welcome relief, like I'm leaving. So I was already two years ahead, so it was not mentally, you know, I was, I was already there, mm -hmm. but it was just like, I'm out of this, I'm, I'm, I'm over it, you know, at that point. So that part was never an issue. When I went to college, for me, it was really always knowing the concepts, and it was like, oh, that's what you guys call it. You know, things like that, oh, that's what it's called, right? right. So that part was never, that part has always been a core component of me, learning, researching, understanding. So that was always there. Um. Mm -hmm. And then once I really figured out for myself, like what drives me, what, what really, and it was just learning. And then you have friends that are like, why do you know that? How do you know that? And I was like, you know what my hobby is? I was like, my hobby is actually learning. The creative expression of those things is one thing, but that's what I really love to do is just absorb information. Yeah, and then once it, once it became useful for other people, yes. it was like, oh, I really enjoy being a resource. I enjoy that. Are. Yeah, I was like, I really like that. It's the difference. It's the mm. difference. Um, me and my mom joke sometimes, like, we can watch Jeopardy. And when you know all these Jeopardy's, like, uh, trivial things, right. you're like, okay, well, what can I do with this information? You've turned uh, learning into a business. Right, right. And, and speaking of which, I'm curious, uh, like, when you were younger, um, did you want to be an entrepreneur? I was always doing entrepreneurial things. Mm. So I was always either tutoring or selling something <laughs> or coming up with something. And I was like nine I remember coming up with this fitness program and I had the kids in my neighborhood sign up for like 50 cents and you know we were doing a fitness program yeah so it was like always doing something or oh I'm gonna party plan or I'm gonna do this and then always looking at things and saying how could I do something different mm -hmm. not knowing that that's a differentiator in business you know what I mean or what it is it was just like oh you know we should we should do it this way so that was always there what I felt like is that because I had so many interruptions in school, math was not my strong suit. So if you miss a year or two of math, something in math, you're off. That's true. So I always registered business as math, strong math background. Mm. So I remember thinking of a business and thinking, well, I'm not the person to run it. I'm a soft science girl. I'll make money and I'll find somebody to run it. And then I had the opportunity to manage my friend's Fortune 500 company edible arrangements just by sheer habit. I didn't want to. Literally on my MySpace page, I will never manage anyone. That was on my MySpace page before. But why? Because I'm an only child mm -hmm. and I can't. You don't have any control mechanism over adults. And I would see how my team members treated the manager. They were like, oh, hell with him. I don't care. He get the money. I'll, I'll do what I want. Mm -hmm. And I would just be like, oh. that would drive me up a wall, right? Yeah. I hated group projects, things like that. I hated that. So I'm an independent. Exactly. I don't like that. Mm. So for me, I never wanted to manage or be responsible for adults, you know, and mm -hmm. things like that. So I didn't, but by default, I had to. This is my best friend, it was her business. Yeah. And so she trusted me in a way that I would say most people wouldn't have the opportunity to be trusted. I came into that business with different eyes. So I worked since I was 14, or 15, right? Mm -hmm. And when I walked into that building, I remember thinking, this guy created this franchise seven years ago, I think eight years ago, and I'm looking at every nuance, every piece of inventory, and I'm just like, 
Like I was overwhelmed. How do you could create something like this, right? Mm. So I was interested in his journey, his story. Mm. And so I was still overwhelmed thinking, I can't do this. Then two years later with the results I produced from that experience, that gave me the confidence to go forth and say, you know what, I, I think I can do, do business. business. Yeah, yeah. Wow. The fact that you, like you said, the um, special opportunity to be trusted, mm -hmm. right? But then also it was edible arrangements. I know edible arrangements. Mm -hmm. Y'all know edible arrangements. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Uh -huh. But where was like the growth in, in edible arrangements um, at this time? Well, in California, there were 61 stores at the time. Okay. We were ranking 43. Okay. And so I got us to number two, both years that I managed. Wow. We were ranking 1,200 stores. We were about 256. I got us to number 11. The thing that got me, to be honest with you, we look at people with reverence, right? So I'm looking at people like, oh my God, you have a business, you manage, like you just assign them all of these values that I realize they do not have. So going to the conferences and hearing like literally how they were suffering from group think, I'm listening to them. And I'm like, you're insane. Like, this is stupid. And then once I realized, like, all of these people that I just assumed were just bright and intelligent, and I'm figuring out things that they have yet to figure out, mm -hmm. that's when I was really like, okay, so just because you own a business or this or that, that doesn't default that you are intelligent or you really understand. So even for the business that I was in, it's traditionalism and edible arrangements. Over the holiday, you guys know, you cannot buy same day, right? You go on edible, there's no way possible. In our store, there was literally an hour uh, to two hours wait time for pickups. I got that down to six minutes. What? Right. Okay. So it was, I'm very good at systems mm -hmm. and I'm very good at inefficiency. And so my mind really looks at things. So I'm watching and I'll watch you do something. And I'm like, why are you doing all of these steps? We can cut that down. Why are we doing this? So that's what I was doing. Well, other people are just like, well, that's how it is. It's the holidays and it's always like that. And I'm like, it doesn't have to always be that way. Yeah. So coming in with brand new eyes and her trusting me and I'm saying, yo, this is, we can cut this down. And then doing that. And then the thing that got me is, when we talk about corporate America, right. I would call to get the numbers every holiday. Andy, my, my, my regional guy, he would plug me. He was like, yo, because there were about five managers before me. He's been with this store for like seven years. This was his ugly duckling store. And he was like, I can't believe what you've done with this store. Like I've, I've seen this store be mismanaged for like seven years. So he was really pumping me. And then I would call them to get the numbers. And they were like, oh, you're the Fontana store. Like we were just talking about you. Da, la, 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 la. Mm -hmm. But no one from corporate ever called and said, what did you do? What are you doing? You would think in two years, four holidays, five holidays, back to back, you would call right. and say, what are you doing different? Yeah. They never did. Why do you think that is? That is that kind of egocentric. Yeah. I mean, how can I tell this man about his business? That is so, I have some clients right now, literally. And because I, I'm, I'm so, sometimes like, I'm like, I'm five years out. Like, why wouldn't a company, why wouldn't a company, uh, take heed on a process improvement you know what i mean and i have some clients right now who literally are going through that um that ego that ego like if it's not my way then we're not going to expand right and i'm I, I feel like i'm pretty sure the ceo if they knew that the middle middle managers were making those type of decision they would be like uh -uh, gotta go right because ultimately if this store wins and you share the knowledge then we all win mm -hmm. that's when i realized it's better to take that type of information that you have, that skill set, those systems, and just apply it to your own business mm -hmm. than it is for you to actually like build. Try to convert somebody else's business. Exactly. Right. So for you, is, is this the, um, the one and only corporate experience that you had, or did you have others that informed your like decision to become an entrepreneur officially? Well, it was, that was my first time actually having a management role. Mm. So there's different tiers, right? Mm -hmm. The CSR is a minimum wage worker. We have one perspective about the job and about the, the system, mm -hmm. right? So I think there's more like, I'm down here, I don't belong, I'm gonna paid enough. So I always tell people like, the CSR would be like, girl, that box of strawberries, $25, you can have a discount, take those strawberries, you know, that's, they charge too much. Mm. The manager who gets to look at the P&L statement is like, 
oh hell no who did you give a discount to right the owner is a whole nother tier so my thing was how do i get my csrs to see the management perspective how do i get to see so what i did was transparency so i set them down i said how do you feel when i first got there we seem busy the phone's ringing they're turning down orders and then they were like yeah we're really busy so i said let me show you guys something let me show you the numbers and i'm like do you know we're fifty thousand dollars in the in the rear what and it's like, I don't know why, but I think it's that maybe ego or that pride. But I parent the same way. I understood that I have to, instead of, we get mad at our children, right? You guys are wasting this, you're wasting that. Of course they are, because they don't know. You didn't show them the bill. You didn't show them the rent. You didn't show them. My daughter, for her to really feel it, every month when my rent was $1,400, I would get $1,400 $1, bills. And I would mm. put them in her hand. Count them every one, two, three, four. Okay, go pay the person. Oh my God, you know what we could do with this money? You know, and, and it changes their perspective. So we wanted to cut costs. The thermostat was about 1200 a month. I put the bill on the thermostat. You know, it's like, it's just yeah. those commonsensical things <laughs> that you can they would never value. do. The right. only thing in the world, we don't attribute value to it. We take this for granted, honestly. Mm -hmm. So with that, you putting these things as a reminder, it teaches a kid to, place value on things when we don't right you don't realize you use the water bill you don't and realize. they and they assume like you guys have money you know it's really a trip out there like oh you have money mm -hmm. you can spend it when I showed them like you guys are lucky to have a job right now they became responsible but then I empowered them mm -hmm. so I took the Andy told me he said I've never seen anyone do this I took the daily goal and you know it's supposed to increase by 15% year over year right so I would show them the goal and every day either we met our goal or we didn't I would put it in red or I would put it in green mm -hmm. they would come and check it like the weather they were like oh man we're 200 in a hole like we got a bus today we got we gotta move so I helped to empower them. I helped to incentivize them. I understood their pain points. I've been as broke as they are. So I knew if we pay them on the first and the 15th, part-time minimum wage, you are broke. So I told her, yo, can you give me $200? She was like, yeah, for what? I'm gonna give them a $100 gift card visa on the 7th and the 21st. Also what I need is when we give them lunch or we have our meeting, we need to order double. Why? Because I need them to take home leftovers for their family, for their friends, mm -hmm. right? Things like that. Mm -hmm. So now that thing, the other manager would change the schedule every week. I said, why are you doing that? They're part-time, they're minimum wage. When you do that, they can't make life plans. Exactly, it, it, oh wow. If he has a girlfriend, mm -hmm. how do you think it feels like, well, are you gonna be here next week? I don't I know. Tell. For this little funky minimum wage job that you're not even able to give, like it puts pressure on them. So I said, I'm gonna give them a flat schedule. We have flat hours, right? You choose your schedule. Cool. Another thing I hated to do was micromanage. So I don't like you coming to me saying, well, I'm sick or I'm this or I'm that. I don't care if you're late. I made everybody do two jobs, right? So I said, when I come in here, I need to count three people. I don't give a damn who it is. Mm -hmm. Three people better be here. So if you are late, you better have tapped in with your coworker. Now you would not run them in the overtime, but I do not care. So you don't have to call me with a lie. I don't have to hear I'm behind the train. I don't care. One, two, three people, good. They started looking out for each other. You want the day off? Don't come to me. You better go to your coworker. Okay, you got me, I got you. That was it. So I never, I was never responsible for changing the schedule. I was never responsible. For, and so they literally came and they were adults and they just took to it. So it was, I, I didn't want to manage because I had been poorly managed. And too. you became the best the manager, manager that I wanted to ever. be, that I needed. The best way to support the Work and Play podcast is by subscribing to the YouTube channel and by going to your favorite podcast player to subscribe and rate the Work and Play podcast. That's all you have to do. So if you are liking the Work and Play podcast, the content, the stories that we're sharing, and you know that this will help someone, go ahead and share the content to someone who could actually use it and help them on their journey to transition from corporate into entrepreneurship. Now let's get back into the episode. Similar to the entire story, this is a motif. You being what you needed. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about you bringing, bringing up your like parenting skills. One, I cannot imagine you're bringing this whole economic movement, you know, community culture movement behind you. You're a mom, mm -hmm. influencer, all of these things, and you're balancing this all at once. Mm -hmm. um, what do you do to keep yourself balanced as you've like made the transition from corporate to like? all the things I can't just say entrepreneurs much more right I changed the expectations mm. I changed what I'm supposed to do and supposed to be so especially as black women I made a post I said the greatest gift that I've given myself is a housekeeper 
we go into this traditionalism, right? So you talk to grandma or somebody and you're like, oh, you don't clean, you lazy, you don't have to grandma, I do, it's different, right? What I do is very different. And when you work at home and you're starting your business, we kind of don't value ourselves either. We don't really see ourselves. Now, someone, if you go and you leave your home, you kind of even treat yourself a little different. When you're at home, you're like, well, I could do this and I could do that. How, why could you? Just because you're in this facility doesn't mean you're available. Right? right to do those things. Grandma's calling. Me, Listen, since you're here, right? You go outside and no, grandma. They treat you that way, and we treat ourselves that way. Yeah. And so I stopped looking at myself that way. And I think the moment that clicked for me too was once you start making a certain amount and you see what you can generate. And I'm using and I'm wasting hours. Once you hit a little over 45, you start looking at time real different, right? Mm -hmm. Time is different now. It's like okay, I don't know how many more hours in this day or my body or whatever. So I started to value my time differently and I had to monetize myself. So I said, you know what? I make this amount per hour. Why am I doing something that I can outsource to someone else mm -hmm. and free up my time? Mm -hmm. And even if that is, I wanna rest or I wanna do whatever. So I don't balance it like in the traditional sense. I have a housekeeper. I haven't cooked in probably about two years and I don't carry that guilt of Oh, you don't cook, you don't do, no, no I don't, right? Because I'm doing a lot of other things that I absolutely enjoy. I don't let people convince me that balance thing. Oh, you need to go out and you need to do this. No, I need to do what I love. Right. And I love working and I love researching. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do what I love to do, not what you are telling me my life is supposed to look like. Yeah. So that was just giving myself permission and doing me, regardless of what anybody else thinks I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm coming up with a concept now for my uh, my clients to understand like the different levels of um, becoming an employee from going from employee to entrepreneur. So you're familiar with like the different steps of an entrepreneur to go from like doing all the things in your business to outsourcing things in your business to being the CEO of the business. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things for um, just the employee mindset is kind of understanding like value mm -hmm. and what you're speaking to is this concept that I haven't like calcified but it's like um, <clears throat> what you place value on and what you decide you want to like delegate for example okay. in your life. Mm -hmm. Some people are like I would never pay um, $1,500 to, to have somebody mow my line mm -hmm. but if you really enjoy what you're doing right now and it allows you to make $20,000 then yeah. why wouldn't you pay $1,500 for a mow right. work? How would you how would you characterize the st mindset shifts that you had to go through from being like employee minded mm -hmm. to being entrepreneur minded. Yeah. What you just said is like the ultimate, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what's the like beginning stages? Like when did you, yeah, when did so you start to? I, had, I remember uh, doing a post and showing a graph mm -hmm. and I said, okay, people without resources, we don't see time as the ultimate resource. We will exchange time to save money. Mm -hmm. People will money will exchange money to save time. What I learned was at the end of the day, our hours are not infinite. Money is, there's no set determined amount that you can generate here in this space. So when you start off and you're new, you typically come from a per hour and you see other people through your lens. So when someone says, I charge 35, if you're making 10, you're like, ooh, what? 35, I'm not, because you can't imagine you have to now part three hours for them to do one hour of something. Right. So once I started to see that I was actually burning through more hours, and to be honest with you, it did come to that like, oh my God, I'm so tired of doing this thing that the first opportunity, and I asked people, I said, right now as an entrepreneur, if you had money and you could throw it at one person or two people, what role would you immediately, they were like, oh, I get a graphic designer. <laughs> I, I, man, I get a social media person. And I was like, that's, see, now you know what's burning you out. And then you're not free to create, you're not free to do what you have to do. Right. And so it was really, I'm not gonna lie, I had to, I'm El Cheapo, right? My husband was like, I'm, I'm frugal. <laughs> so I have always been that person, like, oh, I could do what he want, I could do that, I could do that. And then I literally broke down one night and my business was not growing. And I was just burning and burning and burning. And I literally just said, oh my God, like help me. 
I can't do all of this. So first it was trust issues too, right? What do we yes. say? I can't do trust, I can't trust nobody, I can't trust. And I broke it down to someone one day and I said, okay, trust. Mm -hmm. I don't trust anybody. I said, do you trust your discernment? Yeah, you think you make good choices? Mm -hmm. Do you trust that you know what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Do you trust that you can explain that to someone? Yeah. Do you also trust that if something goes wrong, do you think that you're absolutely just expendable? Like, like if something goes wrong, it's just gonna fall apart, right? No. Do you trust that if that person leaves you for whatever reason, other opportunity, good job, or whatever, that you can recover from that? They said yes. I said, then you don't trust yourself. Ooh. It's not them you don't trust. You're saying you don't trust yourself. That's right. You don't trust yourself to find a good person to know that and recognize it. You don't trust that you can teach them and help them guide them through. And then you don't trust that for whatever reason, if they're not the person, it ain't about you, people be in their own different phases in life, that you can recover. So I said, so who's, where's the real trust issue? Right. And that's what I had to learn. I said, okay. How'd you learn it? Did you, you, you just broke that down. So. <laughs> Personally, I, I'm now breaking that down because I realized I didn't have trust even in corporate. Mm -hmm. I was walking in those, those, those uh, cubicles and, and having conversations with people because one, I didn't know who to trust and, I, and some of them was like, everybody's not your friend. And then I became uh, guarded. Mm -hmm. So as an entrepreneur, I didn't have any trust. Right. So it started to like, like tr uh, pile up. I'll be honest, therapy is one of those things I had to point out, oh, First of all, trust before I even became an entrepreneur was something like, you know, my childhood, mm -hmm. how yep. I developed my, mm -hmm. my own trust. For you, how did, who clicked it? Was it a person who said something? Was it therapy who said something? How did it click for you? It clicked for me because <clears throat> when I, I'm calling out and I'm like, help me, help me, help me. What do I do? Literally broke down crying. I was like, I don't know what to do. And I felt like what I was doing had such great value that it could help other people. So I said, God, if it's not for me, move me out the way. But don't let me be the hindrance to someone else's success. I really feel like everything that I'm blessed with, these ideas, they're not mine. I'm just the steward. I'm just the available vessel. And luckily my life has been orchestrated in a way that uniquely positions me. But my trust really came from my confidence. When I realized, like, yo, I'm the, I'm fucking fire, right? I'm dope, like, I'm good. Like, I really recover. I really am resilient. I really know every single thing. So if this person drops the ball, like, I got this. That's, it, really, it was my confidence and my ability to say, regardless of what happens, I'm going to be okay. And I think that that came from going through so many things and falling and being okay and, be, and really having to realize, like, yo, I'm okay. And I've taken everything mm -hmm. and I'm still coming out okay. And then the things that didn't work for me, fortunately, my God has zero waste. Nothing has been in vain, none of my pain. I've actually been able to look back in the rearview mirror of my life and see that some of those lessons were for me, but some of them gave me an experience to communicate with someone else and be a connector. So there's been zero waste. So now I look at it like, okay, well, if something falls apart, it, it wasn't meant. And then you chase things that you're like, yo. And then you had a Beyonce, thank God you blew it. Thank God I got the bullet. I, I have had situations I was chasing down and I'm like, yo, I'm so glad that didn't work out for me right then. Mm, 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 mm. So then I started to trust the process. So I had to trust me. I had to trust the process. And that allows me to trust other people. Yes. That's huge. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a through line. It's a healing that people are, they're focusing on the money. Um, and even when you say trust the process, you might even be forgetting the process is working on you. You know what I mean? Like yes. that you are becoming a different person um, and opening up emotionally and mentally. And also I would say for anybody, mm -hmm. one of the scariest things is like, okay, what if this person burns me? What if this person does that? You got to understand that sometimes you are a part of someone else's process, mm -hmm. right? So at the end of the day, I always use a mushroom analogy. You know how many people had to die so us to know what mushroom we're supposed to eat? Right? Like, mm. we literally can just go to the store oh. and we know what mushroom to eat. You know how many people had to die, okay? Yeah. We are benefactors. But sometimes we don't know that we also have to contribute to a process. So I've frustrated people. I've hurt people. 
and they were just there as a platform for me and my experience to learn. So now I have to be that platform. Mm -hmm. Some people will hurt me or they will not understand the magnitude and they'll take it for granted or whatever. It's not on me, it was I was just there for their journey. That person will come back to you five years later like, yo, I'm so sorry. You were just a part. So it's okay, you don't have to take everything personal. Sometimes It's not even about you, it's about them. Yes. And I'm, o I'm okay with being someone sparring or training ground sometime. Because mm. it's cool, they're going to get it. You know what I mean? And then I don't take it personal. That is amazing. Yeah. You know, when we met, we were at the I Love Books booth. Mm -hmm. um, I am so... The Four Agreements, have you read it? No. Yes, 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 yes. Don't yes. take mm -hmm. it personal. Yep. Mm -hmm. That one is work. It's like a work. It's like a... You got to keep that at the top of the list because whether it's me going through my process or someone else going through their process, people, you know, they, for example, the podcast, <clears throat> because I'm introduced, I'm interviewing some people who haven't even left corporate America. It's like, oh, I'm not ready to, to leave yet. And so some people flake and, so mm -hmm. some people, and they go, I'm just so sorry. And, and I'm like, listen, mm -hmm. you go through your process. I, I it's understand. cool. Like it's not, it's not even about me, <laughs> right? It's not even about me. But when you share your story, you, that's just what it's going to be. So you just put the nail in the car for that one. You, I got, before we get out of here, I have to ask, um, you, like when it comes to trust, mm -hmm. not just as an entrepreneur, it messes you up, not just in your career in corporate, it messes you up, but in relationships. Mm -hmm. Cause it all boils down like your relationship with yourself and your relationship with people. You have a husband mm -hmm. and children mm -hmm. and a business and a yeah. successful followers and people who actually comment on your, like things are working for you mm -hmm. relationship wise. Mm -hmm. um, what did you learn about yourself or what challenges have you had to face before you got to a place where you can actually say my relationships are secure? Wow. Um, I had to deal and be like completely, I look at it like sometimes you, you have to put yourself on the surgeon table, right? And you gotta get the mirror and you gotta start to like scalpel through and you gotta go in, you gotta really look at it. And I had to learn to know me, like me, trust me. Right? So I had to pull out pieces of me and see what was damaged, what was broken, what was hurting me, what was hurting other people, what was causing me these things. And as I look at these things, and of course we're not doing the therapy and all this, I had to look at these things and say, okay, this is a core component of me and this is causing me a lot of damage. I need to work on this thing. Mm -hmm. This is a part of me, I don't really know if I have the bandwidth to work on. This is a part of me some people may not like, but I like it, so we're gonna keep that. And I literally had to do an assessment, almost a SWOT analysis of myself. And I had to really decide, this is who I am. And if I'm honest with you about the good, the bad, and the uglies of me, that helps a lot more. Instead of me trying to just be this representation of what you think, right? How about I be more me and I give you more permission to be you? So am I going to hurt you? Yes. But at the end of the day, a lot of people who know me know I have a strong personality. Or people be like, you don't, you don't apologize, you don't apologize. And I was like, well for me, apologies are behavior modification. I don't apologize to make you feel better. I have to really understand what I did and I have to really be with you because sometimes you feel that way that doesn't mean it's a fact. I have to really be like, yo, I didn't mean to do that. I'm going to work on that. Mm -hmm. I promise we're not going to keep having the same issue. I'm going to work on that thing. Yeah. So that makes me more tolerable. I had to understand my assholeness. I had to understand the things that like, yo, make me unbearable. And I tell people that like, yo, I'm dead ass self-centered. I don't remember that. Don't like these are things you'll have to deal with, and you can decide if that's okay. Yeah, if the other side of me is enough, right? And that helped out. Just knowing that, you know, and being aware of that, because we have our self-bias, mm -hmm. and we're able to point out everything else. Like she said, she's that, and I'm like, I start being real honest with myself. Like, yo, I'm kind of like that's. I do that, don't I? <laughs> and then once you start doing that, you get the friends that point it out. And from time to time, I love it when I'm like, y'all can't even believe that. Oh, like that time you did that? I'm like, oh, okay, so that's what we're doing here? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, 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 exa exactly like that time. You know, oh, okay, you know. So, yeah. and I love that when people like call me out, right, on that kind of stuff. And so that helps. I love it. You said doing a surgery on yourself. I've gone a long time saying you can't do surgery on yourself. Like you can't be your own surgeon.
but you just blew up like a little bit of a, a paradigm that I had um, because I think that I've reached a point in my own growth mm -hmm. where therapy, I love therapy. Right. And I will tell you guys, the first step is therapy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To have someone else look at you and help you become aware of what you're not aware mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. But I've reached a level, it's like, these people can't know you more than you know you. Nobody can. They're not the expert. Right. So you just like, in one conversation. Uh, so thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> I had so many other questions about like how you foster engagement, um, how you see your career, um, you know, going forward, like, all of these things. And like we're gonna have to have a part two. I was about to say, yeah. like I'm right up the road. We got to. I'm right so, up the road. Um, and I would love for you to come by my apartment. That would be dope. I got a bowling alley. Really? <laughs> I, <gotta come. laughs> like, I, I, I gotta see that. The fact that this is the Work and Play podcast and the last thing she mentions is, is the fact she got a bowling alley. Sis is right here with the Work and Play. You hear working and playing. Yes, mm -hmm. I love it. Okay, so before we get out of here, uh, mm, oh, I got so many, but I will hold them for later. Okay. Before we get out of here, there's someone who is um, still in their job right now. Okay. They have mm -hmm. not necessarily gotten out of group think yet. Mm -hmm. They have not necessarily identified what they would even do as their first business in entrepreneurship. What would you say is the, the first thing that would allow someone to become aware or to take the first step if they are interested in entrepreneurship? Right, so the first thing that I would ask is why? I've had people say, you know, um, what business should I do? And I say, if you ask me that question, none. That's just being brutally honest. If you actually have to come to me and say, what business should I do? None. Because when you're a solutionist, this solution, what you're doing, it has to come from a place. What, the, what you're creating has to come from a place, a need, a necessity, and then your ability to say, I can do this better. I, I, can, I have something more to offer. If you're literally then I feel like you're being bombarded, right? So one, take the pressure off of yourself. If you're really like, mm, companies need valuable people. We need, we don't, everybody can't do that thing, right? You can be like a core component of a, a successful business, right? So my first thing would be to be really quite frank with yourself and say, why are you even feeling that need? Because most of the people that I know, and I know this probably goes against what people want to hear, I don't know anyone who's really an entrepreneur who can be held back. When, when you are really like, I have this thing, you see more people that are telling you stop. So if someone's pushing you, you have to be like, what's going on, right? So it may not be necessarily the time for you to do and find that thing that is driving you away from what everyone is telling you is safe, driving you from everything. Cause that drive has to be so serious that you are literally abandoning what's commonsensical. Right. So that, I want you to be so passionate about it that no one else can stop you. Mm -hmm. So that's not something I can put into you. Yes. That's not something that I can, you know, now I can give you the strategies. You tell me I got this and I'm like, okay, this is, this is the exit plan. This is what we do. But first, I need you to be so certain about it and strong about it. I don't care how silly it sounds. I need you to be so certain about it that you're going for it. Now, if you find yourself feeling that way, but then you're like, but I, I got responsibilities. People tell us, don't jump out there. Hey man, listen, no. It's okay to create a strategy and an exit plan. It is okay to literally, okay, I'm gonna get here and my goal is gonna be this and then by the time I leave, I have a nest egg. That is responsible. Don't make somebody make you feel like, oh, if you have a plan B, you're not serious. That's, that's a lie. <laughs> As a business, you should have several backup plans, right? Okay, if that don't work, we're gonna do that. And if that don't work, we're gonna do that. That's a part of business. So why would somebody tell you that, right? So people will really gas you up and make you feel guilty, make you feel like you have to, or you're lesser than, that's not true, mm. you know? Yeah, you didn't, you don't know this. And they think, you didn't even, she didn't even know I have the corporate exit blueprint. I, I literally, literally, when- I, I did not know that. No, everything I talk about is the exit strategy. I didn't know that. <laughs> I had no idea. You literally just broke it down so well, but the wisdom that you Thank gave you. it, you know what I mean? It's um. 
I'm, I'm only five years into my journey. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, so I'm only really like 18 months of clarity. Right. You know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so to hear you say these things, kind of like how you said uh, a minute ago, and then we'll get out of here. It was, um, when you went to school mm -hmm. and um, you had these ideas, you're like, oh, that's what you call it. Right. You call that it. was it. This is the experience that I'm having right mm -hmm. now. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. So for those of y'all who are watching, we're going to have a part two, I promise you. Um, but who, want, who wants to get connected with you or apply mm -hmm. to work with you? Um, how can they get connected and how can they Right. Work? So everything is really, I try to keep it as simple as possible. You can follow me at Instagram at Econundrum. And then there's econundrum.com. And that's my little flow code type of link tree page so you everything that I'm doing there's a link to that thing mm -hmm. so I think that's just the easiest way instead of saying oh go here go there just go to Aconundrum so if you want to apply for the Black Virtual Mall if you want to become a shop Aconundrum reseller or a seller all of those things whatever I'm doing currently is going to be on that so it's really would just be Aconundrum.com it would be the easiest thing if somebody wants to reach me it can be just Aconundrum at gmail.com so yeah. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. You guys have it. Go ahead, take action. Follow this woman. Thank Literally. Oh. The journey is amazing. And it, it, I can't even believe it. I, I knew her before. I knew her mind yeah. before I knew her person. That was a part right there when you said <laughs> what you. And people, for me, I haven't been out, you know, just low key, really like in two and a half years. So the conference thing and everything, this was so new. Um, I'm, right? So when I was walking around in Best Fest and everything, and I'm just talking to people and introducing myself, they're like, I like, I know you. I was like, oh, snap. You know, like, okay. Yeah. So it was just, and I wasn't really used to that as much. So that was super dope. That's part two. Yeah. That's part two. Yeah, yeah. So you guys be good. Take some notes. Mm -hmm. Execute. Be great. All right, y'all? Peace out.